0: And techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have so much fun today. I love it when I get to talk with guests about a subject that I know nothing about because I get to learn and I hope that the people who watch and listen to the program learn too. So today we're going to be talking to a Did I say that right? Did I come close? Oh, That's yay! <laughs> so today we're going to be talking to Derek Coons. So welcome to our program, Derek.
1: Thank you, Deb. It's good to be here.
0: Well, let me explain to people a little bit about you, and then we'll have you talk about just what the heck it is that you do.
1: All so, right. Derek
0: Coons has been making violins for over 20 years. That's what makes him a Ludier. He began his formal education at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. He opened his own violin shop in Tampa, Florida in 2013 and has been very successful. He continues to enjoy building instruments and running his business. He hopes to be able to step away from the day-to-day operations of running a business to spend more time on building unique and beautiful instruments. So again, Derek, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, I always like to ask my guests to tell us how it is that they got to where they are today, and how you discovered—and I know you discovered this—you know, obviously a, a while ago—why this is your passion in life. So tell us a little bit more about all of this.
1: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, every everybody that's life is revolves around music has a has a unique story on how they get into it, and um, you know, everybody that I talk to, it, it's always a little different, but there's similarities. So mine started, I guess, I, I discovered classical music when I was maybe an early teenager okay. um, and it was wasn't through an education system or uh, a normal way I mean I was actually actually doing math homework one day and realized stuff just started making sense and I didn't understand why and then the music that was in the background stopped and then everything got cloudy again
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it was actually a TV program um, I believe it was it was a story of Mozart's life um, mm-hmm. and and I realized that when the music started again, that the math started making sense again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wasn't sure what that was, you know, so right. my next trip to the store, I bought a couple of cassette tapes, mm-hmm. of classical music. And that mm-hmm. was my go-to every time I had bath, it just mm-hmm. made it more enjoyable. It made things make sense. Um, I started playing guitar around 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until I went to college, you know, probably my, my late teens, early twenties, that mm-hmm. I started studying uh, classical guitar mm-hmm. As an elective in college, um, I was oh. sort of a pre-med track. It wasn't mm-hmm. even, um, it wasn't a musical career path for me. It was just relaxation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and about the third semester in my professor said, you know what? I'm going to help you out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to push you a little beyond your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I, you need a better guitar mm-hmm. and I don't want you to register next semester till you have a better guitar. Ah. Well, for a kid paying his way through college and and you know not really wanting or knowing if I wanted a career in music, four or five thousand dollars for a guitar wasn't in the budget. Oh
2: no. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I had a summer to get it sorted, otherwise I couldn't enroll. And that was my you know, that was my stress relief. I was on a, like I said, a pre-med track where I was studying anatomy, physiology, chemistry, biology, and guitar was really my my um just my release, you know, it was my creative mm-hmm. side. And, right. Um, so I was singing the blues to my friend one day, telling him the whole story. And he just happened to, to drop a bombshell. I mentioned, you know, my dad teaches violin making at the university. Mm. And I said, well, I don't know what that's got to do with the guitar, but you know, I'll talk to him and see mm-hmm. if maybe I can make a guitar instead. Right. So it I seems met his like father.
0: strings wood.
1: <laughs> I figured why not? You know, mm-hmm. I was always good with my hands. I grew up in a, you know a do-it-yourself sort of household where Mm -hmm. if you wanted something done, you know, figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was always encouraged um, to take things apart and figure out how they worked. And Mm -hmm. so I met his father, who's Tom Sparks, um, became a dear friend. Um, I asked him, can I build a guitar instead? And he said, absolutely not. Um, I teach violin making. I'd Mm -hmm. be happy to have you in the course for the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can guarantee you that if you absorb what I teach for violin making, um, guitar making will come as second nature. Okay. And so that's what I did, you know, um, actually the, the, the experience of walking up into that workshop was so profound. Mm -hmm. Um, Indiana university is a very famous school of music, you know, Mm -hmm. and Jacob's school of music in Bloomington. And at that time, I think it's still, it's still there in its same format. The shop is no longer there, but the round practice building, Um, it only has windows on the first and second floor, I believe. And then it's five or six stories and there's no windows. And you Mm -hmm. walk around these corridors, Mm -hmm. and it's a practice building.
0: Practice rooms. Mm -hmm.
1: So you're just surrounded with this, you know, this ethereal sound when Mm -hmm. you walk around and every room has a different instrument, maybe a violin, a cello, Mm -hmm. a trumpet, a euphonium, and maybe Mm -hmm. the piano. And it was just kind of like being in this dream world. And then we got to the top floor. And then he opened this doorway, and it went up this long, narrow staircase to this kind of dark, quiet room. But you could hear stuff going on in this room—little mm-hmm. scraping, mm-hmm. and you know the sounds of wood being worked, and mm-hmm. the smell of varnish. And like, I just walked up there, and I felt like this is this, this is, is heaven. Like, this, mm-hmm. this is cool, you know. And so I did. I enrolled that semester. Um, mm-hmm. I took the course for the summer. It was three hours a day, uh, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the summer, I made a guitar Mm -hmm. um, at home, not Mm -hmm. in that shop.
0: Right. Because he had said, no, 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 just violins. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I learned how to sharpen tools, how to sharpen Mm -hmm. a knife, how to sharpen Mm -hmm. a plane, Mm -hmm. how to make a sound post, um, how to do a basic repair on a violin. Mm -hmm. And began my construction process on my first violin, which is Mm -hmm. building the form. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would go home and I cobbled together the tools that I needed and Mm -hmm. bought the wood and stuff necessary. And Mm -hmm. I became obsessed. Um, I built my first guitar. I brought it back to my guitar professor and Mm -hmm. he was very impressed and said, this Mm -hmm. is fantastic. This is Mm -hmm. a massive improvement over what you had. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's go. So I continued studying guitar. Um, by the next semester I had switched focus and quit doing my academic studies Mm -hmm. so much, Mm -hmm. um, and went into full-time violin making. Um, -hmm. it was a two-year program. Um, I did take a couple of physics courses because I figured that might help with uh mm-hmm. with yeah to, how to know the how and, to
0: to bend the wood and mm-hmm.
1: absolutely. Um and, and how sound works, how it reflects mm-hmm. off surfaces, right. you mm-hmm. know, how it travels through different materials at different mm-hmm. speeds, mm-hmm. um, how concert halls are constructed and mm-hmm. and how they they balance the sound, you mm-hmm. know. Um if a concert hall is half full, they'll put drapes down or or fill the Mm air up because Mm -hmm. the human body actually absorbs sound Mm -hmm. so after the two-year program and I finished my first violin um I kind of knew that that was it you know Mm -hmm. and before I even got my my associate certificate um he asked me what I was doing for that summer Mm -hmm. and I said I don't know he said well you want a job and I said well I gotta finish class we have Mm -hmm. a month left two months left he said no no I've got a colleague in Indianapolis that needs somebody. <clears throat> and I would love for you to, to meet him and see if you guys can work it out. And if mm-hmm. you, if you go and you, you work, I'll, I'll satisfy your requirement for class. Mm-hmm. That's your, that's your credit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that was, you know, late, the late 1990s and I started at a shop at Indianapolis at Casa del Sol and I've been building and, you know, enjoying this life ever since. Mm-hmm.
0: I love it. You know, and, and, Like I said, this is something I know nothing about. And I just kind of assumed that violins were not mass produced, but kind of in a factory type of of thing, you know, like like pianos. I mean, you know, you you do a whole bunch at once. Um, And you know, reading about you and, and listening to you, you know, these are, you know, I, it never occurred to me that there are artisans who are creating these because these are not just instruments. These are works of art that, you know, each one you are creating is unique and custom made and, and things like that. And so that's what fascinates me about this is just knowing that, oh my gosh, this is, is such a process to get this beautiful Mm -hmm. instrument.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there there is definitely what you just said, it, it is true. Um not everyone can afford an instrument made by one person from start right. to finish mm-hmm. with an ideal sound and an mm-hmm. ideal look and feel in mind. Mm-hmm. So the factory-produced instruments are 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 very real. Right. Uh, and that's that's great
0: for many, many people. Mm-hmm.
1: Has yeah. to be. There's mm-hmm. no way that everyone could afford to start mm-hmm. playing if everyone had a custom handmade violin mm-hmm. by one person built for them. Um we, you know, I have a shop here in Tampa, Florida, and the majority of what we sell is factory made instruments that are made to a very high standard, mm-hmm. right. but it makes it affordable for kids to be able to start mm-hmm. playing the right. instrument. You know? And that sort of cultivates and builds mm-hmm. your audience later on that mm-hmm. are going to want something that's truly mm-hmm. unique and special mm-hmm. for
0: them. Right. You know, and of course we all know about Stradivarius. I mean, you know, that's, that's the, the pinnacle. Um, yes. And, but there's, you know, there's obviously so much that is in between that, again, we just never even stop to think about, um, you know, and, and, and we know, you know, anyone who who follows any type of classical music or anything like that. I mean, you know, especially for <clears throat> the, the concert, um, the first violinists, you know, people like that clearly they are using custom-made instruments. So kind of talk us through this process. You know, if, if, you know, someone comes to you and says, hey, Derek, need a new violin. What is the process of, of working with them?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, throughout this, I mean, the violin is such a rich history. It's been being built in the same manner for, you know, since the 1500s, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, not much of the design work has changed. Um, and typically violinists have been left, you know, to hunt and find mm-hmm. their sound,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, by trying many different instruments, their budgetary mm-hmm. restrictions sort of set the limit at what they can and cannot mm-hmm. try or afford. Um, and to me, you know, it, it took 20 years to sort of really understand what was going on with the violin. You have mm-hmm. to build dozens and dozens of instruments. Uh, I think my instrument count is somewhere around a hundred instruments, wow. um, if you add the guitars, the violins, mm-hmm. the violas, mm-hmm. the cellos, you know, everything that I've built for the last mm-hmm. 20 years. And it wasn't until I met, you know, Dmitri um, Badryov who's mm-hmm. been an incredible influence. And mm-hmm. of course my original mentor, Tom Sparks, mm-hmm. they helped me sort of understand that you can craft and create a, a particular sound mm-hmm. by choosing the materials, choosing the woods that you want, mm-hmm. um, the different pattern or shape that you decide to, to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a, a solid outcome in mind before you put the pen to paper mm-hmm. to start the design of the instrument really helps, you know. So I look at it now like if you were going to go look for your custom, your dream home, mm-hmm. if you wanted to, to, to find your dream home, you could look in the marketplace and see what's available and right. go and find, mm-hmm. you know, and you can make appointments mm-hmm. with realtors and go and look and see what's done but truly most people that end up with their dream home build their dream home. Right. They sit down with a designer and architect mm-hmm. and you know, I want this many bedrooms, mm-hmm. this many bathrooms, yeah. you know, I want it to look like this, feel like this. Um, and then you end up with what you really want. Mm-hmm. And so that's the angle and that's the the way that I've been working for the last year or two is instead of building a product, building an instrument, building mm-hmm. a you know, a violin or cello or viola mm-hmm. and putting it for sale. And mm-hmm. hoping that somebody comes right. in and mm-hmm. what's made, it's a lot better to sit down with the artist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. say, okay, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And then let us get both very clear on mm-hmm. what we mean by the words we use. Mm-hmm. What does I the know. clear sound mean? What does right. the full sound mean? Mm-hmm. No try because the, the materials differ. You know, the woods Absolutely. are different. Mm-hmm. And also the language, Deb, is that is the, it's the clear might mean something to me than it does to you. Right. Because sound is so subjective, it's mm-hmm. really hard to define mm-hmm. exactly what it is. So, a fuzzy sound—is it fuzzy like like a wool sweater, or mm-hmm. is it fuzzy like a fuzzy like
0: mm-hmm. static radio?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. You know. And what does an edge mean to a sound? So we have all these adjectives we use for sound,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but a lot of them are tactile adjectives. A lot of mm-hmm. them are, you know, uh, other sensory, uh, visual mm-hmm. adjectives. And they're not auditory.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so becoming more clear with the artist of mm-hmm. what you want um, helps me to achieve that sound so mm-hmm. much easier. Um, and there's something intuitive that guides you as an artist when you're working, you know. So if somebody says, you know, I want a very solo sound, I want something that's going to project on stage. Okay. Uh, I want something that the person in the, the back of the hall is going to be able to feel. They're mm-hmm. going to be able to hear it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll yeah. build that completely differently than if somebody says, you know what? I don't like playing on stage. I just like yeah. playing at my house for my enjoyment.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: those are two different teeth. I would choose the wood differently. Mm-hmm. I would even choose the design slightly differently on the right. instrument because it doesn't need to have power. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the collaboration and finding out what do they want and getting mm-hmm. clear with our language and and maybe even listening to different recordings and saying, I mm-hmm. like this, this recording. I don't like this one. That really helps guide me in choosing mm-hmm. the materials, the pattern, the shape, the varnish, mm-hmm. um, everything that goes into the string choice, the pegs, mm-hmm. all of that has an influence on the sound. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at now. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily take... Um, I do pre-orders and that's Mm -hmm. how I like to work because you have to Mm -hmm. collaborate. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Simply a deposit. And if you're Mm -hmm. not a hundred percent satisfied, you're not committed to buying the instrument.
0: Okay. right. Mm -hmm.
1: I want you to be perfectly happy. Mm -hmm. Right, Um, Because
0: you want them to
1: use it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want them to love it. And I want Mm -hmm. them to treat it like the heirloom that it's going to Mm -hmm. be, that they can pass down to their, you know, to their siblings or to their, to their, to their children Mm -hmm. or, you know violins have have always had a very special place. The instrument, the musicians are more caretakers of that instrument mm-hmm. and owners. Right. And real musicians know that. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client come in with their violin after their retirement and say, you know, I, I would like to sell it because it's not being played and mm-hmm. it's very sad. My mm-hmm. violin's not happy mm-hmm. because it's not, not singing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more important to them
2: mm-hmm.
1: that they find somebody that will appreciate and love mm-hmm. that instrument and play it mm-hmm. than how much money they get for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's a sentimental, you know, and that's what I want to build. I want to build mm-hmm. an heirloom that parents are going to be able to create memories with their children with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're going to look at that at maybe even after the parents are gone and mm-hmm. think and be able to relive those stories, mm-hmm. be able to relive yeah. those holidays and concerts and experiences. You Know to me that's touching. That's that's right.
0: Well, and and it, it it does, you know, the 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 instrument does, you know, it becomes a part of them. Um, and you know, and, and it is so special. I remember I, I saw a, a program on the news, local news here in Atlanta, not long ago, and it's a program that provides instruments to high school uh children. I guess they're not children at that point, but high schoolers. Um, who can't otherwise afford them, which is, you know, a great many, especially um, when you consider that, you know, some of these instruments, as you said, cost thousands of dollars. And they had a young man in there who, as part of the program, he was gifting others, you know, because he'd received an instrument at one point and and he had received a violin. And so as part of the program, he, he has been giving back. And so he helps, <coughs> excuse me, deliver instruments and, and things like that. And then they ended with someone who donated their custom violin that they were no longer playing anymore to this young man. And he cried. His mother cried. Everybody on camera cried. I mean, it was just such a moving gift that, you know, not only was it something that, um, you know, it, it obviously meant a lot to the original owner, but the fact that they they were giving it up and giving it to this young man who, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, you know, with his career down the road. But I mean, it was just one of those things where you probably could not have done anything more for that, that young man that he would have meant as much, even if they'd just given him the money. And said, "Here, go, do this." I mean, it was that whole passing of the torch kind of absolutely. thing that that was was so important
1: absolutely. And but we've done the same thing here with our shop in Tampa mm-hmm. uh, a number of years ago. It all started off with I had a a bunch of bows, a box of bows, older bows that weren't worth us rehairing to put up mm-hmm. for sale. but they weren't totally done yet. Right. They had like mm-hmm. I wanted to donate them to maybe a an orchestra somewhere mm-hmm. that that had people that needed bows. Mm-hmm. So I collaborated with, um, I believe it was Francisca Mendoza, who Mm -hmm. is Chilean. She's a Chilean Mm -hmm. violinist. Um, We have since then collaborated with her brother, Alejandro, who's Mm -hmm. working with Mm -hmm. us in Sarasota, a tremendous violinist. Um, And we got affiliated with uh, an organization out of Chile Mm. and ended up sending 50 violins to orphanage (sighs) um, in Mm Chile. And talking with the directors, they said, you know, this will impact over 2,500 children's Mm -hmm. lives because these instruments will be passed on from from, from Mm -hmm. grade to grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just made me think, you know, what if it only, it only changes one person's life. What Mm -hmm. if only one person, that's enough, you know, if, Mm -hmm. and it's going to affect so many more because when you have people that are impoverished or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, people that are less fortunate than others, and then they're given this gift of Mm -hmm. creativity and escape, Mm -hmm. um, it opens up worlds It opens up Mm -hmm. a whole new world to them of possibilities. And so yeah, it's a tremendously, you know, beautiful thing to be involved mm-hmm. in. And I, you know, every day I'm grateful. Um, I belong to a business networking group here in Tampa mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of them sell maybe insurance or right. um, business things, real, real business, <laughs> stuff that normal people need. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I told my wife, I said, you know, we're, I'm so incredibly fortunate that mm-hmm. what we're contributing to society is, mm-hmm. is about beauty. It's right. about art, you mm-hmm. know, it's, um, it just makes everybody's lives better, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah,
0: I mean, music truly is you know something that is is so important, and and um, you know, it, it. I've I've you know, the, that's one of those things that that I've known for so many years, and and it changes the mood. I mean, all of those various things, but you know, it's 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 also. I mean, you mentioned the correlation between math and music, and I you know, I that's just something that that fascinates me also. I mean, you, it it truly is a mathematical process that happens to make music, um, you know, and, and then, so if you're good at that, then you're probably good at regular math.
1: Yeah. There's a number of studies and you can find them going both ways. Them mm-hmm. saying, oh, it has nothing to do with it. Or yeah. It uh. <laughs> but even, even counting music, you know, mm-hmm. learning how to count the beats and the music mm-hmm. and understanding how to read music requires mm-hmm. a lot of math. Right. Whether or not music helps you with math. It helped me. Well, and you know? it helps
0: your brain just to, to go and, and develop Absolutely. the processes of you do this and this and this. You know, you you can't just randomly start doing, you know, there's a, a procedure you have to follow.
1: Absolutely. Um, when you get into the physics of it and you start studying frequency, then mm-hmm. math becomes incredibly important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not base 10 math. Right. It's not a, it's not a normal math, uh, decimal system that we're mm-hmm. used to using. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, music can be fully explained using mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we use a ton of math in the design and the proportion of the instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're, they're completely interlinked.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I've, I've always known how important music is to children, um, you know, and, and, it, that was one of the things, now I, I don't have kids, but during COVID, when schools were shut down, one of the things that bothered me the most, I mean, you know, clearly kids were able to continue with their education online, varying degrees of success, you know, and, and we're, we're finding all that out, but they couldn't do what schools consider the extracurricular activities, sports and music, and and I think those two, I mean, they are very similar in, you know, the thought processes, the teamwork, I mean, all of those things. And, and, you know, for a child to lose that even just for a semester, I think that was very detrimental. Now, you know, we understood why. But, you know, it just that that pained me greatly that the kids could not participate in those
1: things. Well, I mean, in some places, I know it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that here in Tampa, Florida, in we California, learned
0: Zoom, right? Those kids learned how to do this on so Zoom.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the, the educators here in Hillsborough seen it coming and mm-hmm. they, they got together very mm-hmm. quickly and developed a program mm-hmm. so that the music continued.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it wasn't the same as in person, right? But even here at the shop, you know, we had to mandate shut down for a month and mm-hmm. and we had to really brainstorm say, okay. We don't know what the future is going to bring. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to hold, but what can we do? Right. How can we provide some? How can we be a voice of calm mm-hmm. and reassurance mm-hmm. in this uncertain time? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the whole team here at the shop got together and we decided, let's have a contest on what does music mean to you? And <gasps> Deb, the letters that we got I from, bet. from teachers mm-hmm. and from, you know, so the, the rules were you had to be, you know, Playing a musical instrument, no mm-hmm. older than eighteen, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Submit a um, an essay or a video, and just mm-hmm. tell us what does it mean to you. Mm-hmm. And you would not believe some of the the stuff that we got. I mean, how some much of the comp- did you
0: cry? I bet you cried oh, a lot. <laughs> man, I mean,
1: it was so hard mm-hmm. to choose a winner. Mm-hmm. We ended up giving every participant, you know, a gift certificate oh, so that they could I come in. Mm-hmm. And um, the 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 winner ultimately got a, a violin outfit. That his family couldn't have afforded, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it meant the world to him. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, even though things shut down, some people really took that 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 opportunity mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. really grow as a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, that all that home time that we all had, you right? Know, we, what, that what could be practice do? time. Mm-hmm. I built a quartet. I mean, I went <gasps> home and I said, mm-hmm. you know what? We've got i I've got a month. Mm-hmm. Let's get busy. And so I built. Mm-hmm. I believe it was three violins and one viola. So not a proper quartet, but Mm -hmm. um, one of which I built for a a dear friend of mine and Mm -hmm. a colleague of the shop, um, Mm -hmm. a custom five string violin. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think I built another viola and two instruments Mm -hmm. um, that I don't think I have any of them left. They've all since been sold, Mm -hmm. Um, but they had a lot of meaning to me because Mm -hmm. it was, they Mm -hmm. were built in that time Mm -hmm. where, you know, we had to make the best of, of right. what we had.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I, that it, it just fascinates me that, you know, as I was saying, the process that you go through. And so of course, one of the questions I have is on average, how long does it take to make a custom violin?
1: The industry standard for makers is between 150 and 200 hours. Mm. Um, and that doesn't include as my, as my, My my professor would say uh, procrastination and reconnoitering. Um, Right.
0: Where you're thinking, "Mm, eh, mm, you're
1: mm -hmm, sitting there drinking mm -hmm. your coffee and you're looking at it thinking, Mm -hmm. I wonder, should should I make the F-holes a little bit like this or Mm -hmm. like this roll? Is everything Mm -hmm. the way I want it to be? Um, On average, 150 to 200 hours.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and as I said, these truly are art pieces also, Um, you know, and, and my, my uh, neighbor collects custom ukuleles and, you know, it's, it's so interesting to see because, you know, very different woods, very, you know, all very different, obviously, you know, not a huge size difference, but there is size difference. And so, not and, and, you know, she displays them like pieces of art, um, but she also plays them, you know, and, 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 but it's, it's interesting to me, the different sounds, as you were saying, you know, just the slight different size or the different wood makes it so very different. And, and that just, you know, that, that's so cool.
1: Absolutely. Um, With the violin, it's a little more stringent just because of the history. So Mm -hmm. the woods that we use are, it's always going to be spruce for the top. Okay. And maple for the back sides. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't vary too much. I mean, mm-hmm. you could build one out of mahogany or Ooh. walnut, but oh. it's mm-hmm. a fiddle. It's not going to be a violin, right. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, it's going to have the sound a is different. Mm-hmm. It absolutely, you know, there's a very special quality of sound, and especially the spruce, a mm-hmm. uh, very unique material. Mm-hmm. Um, sound mm-hmm. travels differently in spruce mm-hmm. and faster mm-hmm. in spruce than mm-hmm. just about any other material. Mm-hmm. How they knew that 300 years ago, I don't know. I don't, it, I don't know how. They yeah, chose. it would have
0: been interesting to have seen like the, the floor of their workshops, because I'm sure there were lots of <laughs> rejected oh, yeah. things mm-hmm.
1: and the tools dab I mean, to think that they built these works of art during the Renaissance mm-hmm. in a world lit by fire. There was no mm-hmm. electricity. There right. was no power tools. There mm-hmm. was no air conditioning. It was if you look at the, the tools in the museums that they were using, they're really primitive. Yet mm-hmm. they ended up with these incredible oh. works of art, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it tumbles me. Knowing that I have a bandsaw to use, or mm-hmm. I have uh, some power tools in the mm-hmm. beginning that sort of really mm-hmm. expedite the process. That being done three hundred years ago would have been totally different,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Um,
1: wood, though, like you just mentioned with ukuleles, um, traditional ukuleles are built with koa wood from Hawaii. So, mm-hmm. the region in which they were they were created mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. going to determine the materials that were used. Mm-hmm. Um, and that still holds true today. Right. I mean, for me building a custom violin, I mm-hmm. pretty much, I'm very picky about the spruce. I only want it from a very
2: mm-hmm.
1: small mountain region, mm-hmm. North Italy, South Switzerland. Right. That's where I want my spruce. Mm-hmm. You know, After 20 years, I've tried spruce from all over the world, mm-hmm. but that to me is the most consistent. I know what I'm going to, I mm-hmm. know what I'm going to get when I get it from there. Right. Um, the same with the maple. I want the maple from mm-hmm. the Balkan mountain region. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a different density. It has a different working quality mm-hmm. and a different sound, you know? Right. So yeah. And then knowing the woods and, you know, mm-hmm. knowing what you got to deal with. And I, I'm like a kid in a candy store when I get a new shipment of wood or I find,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, a luthier calls me and telling me he's retiring and he's got a wood pile. I go, Oh, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, I get excited. I'm, I'm right. ready to go. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Because as you said, where the tree grew is you know makes a, a huge difference because the length of, of daylight um, hot cold humid not humid I mean all of those things are going to make the wood more dense less dense I mean all sorts of, of different things that are obviously going to affect the sound quality
1: absolutely and the the physical characteristics of the wood there's one story that I like to tell it's about you know how where a tree grows and how a tree grows. Mm-hmm has a huge impact on the quality and the character of the material. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's much, it's mirrored in human, you know, in in our existence. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Sometimes the pains and struggles we go through in life, we don't see the character that they're building. Mm -hmm. Um, If you took a maple seed and you planted it in an open field and gave it plenty of water and Mm -hmm. plenty of sun and never had to struggle or compete for Mm -hmm. light, it's going to grow nice and strong. Mm -hmm. and fast, it'd be a very, very beautiful wood, but Mm -hmm. very little character. Mm-hmm. It's not right, gonna because have it barlo- never
0: was challenged.
1: It never struggled. You mm-hmm. know, it never had to fight. It never mm-hmm. had to reach, and it never had to 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 be hungry, or you know, to mm-hmm. to, to to you know. And that really is true in the woods that I see. Mm-hmm. You know, typically violin makers want wood chosen from the north face of a of a mountain slope.
0: Ah, so they've they've been challenged.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. they grow slower. You know, they grow mm-hmm. they grow more consistently. Mm-hmm. They don't have mm-hmm. as much sunlight as the the, the open field trees Mm do, you know, and the character of the wood that you get from some of the maples when they're, when they're challenged to Mm -hmm. grow, it's just, it's tremendous. It's Mm -hmm. it's visibly, it's just stunning to look at. It's Mm -hmm. beautiful material. Um,
0: So does the wood speak to you? You know, so, you know, if you, if you've got say two pieces of wood, this one is the one that, that I'm choosing today.
1: Absolutely. Depending on the character of the Mm -hmm. instrument that I want to make. Mm -hmm. Um, you can take a piece of spruce in your hands and sort of rub it with your fingers and mm-hmm. it, it makes a crispy sound or it makes a dull sound or mm-hmm. it 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 speaks you know mm-hmm. and after handling thousands of violins when you pick up a violin just the sound of your fingers touching the fingerboard and touching mm-hmm. the touching the, the rim of the violin that sound transfers over. And so mm-hmm. you're listening for, you know, it, it's almost it, you're guided intuitively,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but absolutely the, the wood mm-hmm. speaks.
0: Right. And so that's part of how you choose, you know, if it's going to be, you know, a, a piece, as you were saying, for somebody who's just, you know, a member of an orchestra or the soloist, um, you know, because that's going to broadcast differently.
1: Absolutely. The, the, the closeness of the growth rings, um, the, the, the width of the winter growth in a piece of spruce to me is incredibly important. It can't be too thin. It can't be too wide. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look at a, a violin top a lot as like a truss structure on a house. Right. So mm-hmm. you have, you have these beams that go through the roof of the house. That's mm-hmm. kind of like little lines that go through the top of the violin. Mm-hmm. And depending on the load that you're putting on it, you need those to be stronger or weaker or closer spaced or mm-hmm. further spaced. you know, um, it's all about, it's about structure and then the transmission of sound through that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But choosing wood is incredible. To me, it's probably the single most important thing, mm-hmm. you know, is, is don't sacrifice on the quality of the material that you're mm-hmm. using on the violin.
0: Right. And clearly, you know, because these are custom pieces, that's why this is, is taking so much more of your your initial process.
1: Absolutely. I mean, for the first 20 years or so, 18, 19 years, I built copies. Mm, I built okay. copies of violins, copies mm-hmm. of famous Scredivaries, of Guarneri's, mm-hmm. uh, Amati's, uh, Ruggieri's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had the the good fortune to have had a number of colleagues with very, very nice instruments. that They allowed me to take patterns mm-hmm. off of, tracing uh. measurements. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but after all that, you know, I sort of came to the conclusion after studying with Dimitri that like mm-hmm. I don't have mm-hmm. to make copies anymore. Mm -hmm. you know so much Mm -hmm. i can alter the design now to to get closer to what i really want than Mm -hmm. than ending up with just another copy of 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 a stradivari Mm -hmm. i mean we're never gonna we're no one alive is gonna reach the fame of stradivari right yeah there was
0: just something that was perfect about that
1: time right and nowadays those instruments are beyond this the affordability of most musicians you know well and and there would always be the fear
0: of something happening, you know, and and I mean, that would just be devastating. But to be able to have one and play it, oh, my gosh, that, you know, for, for someone who is at that level, that clearly would be just the ultimate goal.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, I don't know that it, if it's just to play the Stradivari, but what they're really looking for and, and what I've come to understand is a connection. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a connection with an instrument to mm-hmm. where when they think of a particular sound, they're able to make it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they're looking for something that does what it what they ask it to do. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes challenges them a little bit, you know, to, oh, you know, a lot of the famous instruments, a lot of the, the very well-known instruments, when mm-hmm. the players were first given the instruments, mm-hmm. um, they didn't like them. Hmm. It's not a love at first sight right. thing. They realize that oh my god, this thing, you know, typically like an amati, the experience that I've had and the feedback from these great musicians are mm-hmm. some of the earlier instruments like the Amatis, You can't play them with the same force that you would play a modern instrument. Right. You break you break the sound, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to just go more delicately and mm-hmm. ask it softer. You know, mm-hmm. and it's. Um, I've always been fascinated by psychology and, uh, especially neurolinguistics. Uh, mm-hmm. Milton Erickson. I think I've read just about everything he's written. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Milton said early on was it wasn't his siblings. He, he noticed it wasn't what they asked for
2: mm-hmm.
1: that determined whether or not they got it. It was how they asked.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's kind of, I try to sort of carry mm-hmm. that through now with in with musicians. It's sometimes it's not, it's not what you're asking the instrument to do. It's, it's how are you asking right. it to do it? Mm-hmm. How much bow speed, how much mm-hmm. bow pressure are you using? Are mm-hmm. you squeezing too much with your left hand? Mm-hmm. And with me, it's the same with wood. Mm-hmm. You know, I can ask it to do it all I want, but how am I, how am I asking, where mm-hmm. am I shaping it from? Where am I thinning it here? Where am I expanding your proportion? Mm-hmm. Um, And so the musicians are looking for that connection. They're mm-hmm. looking for that. They want what you just said, right. you know, that magical experience mm-hmm. of like, Oh my God, this is, this is the sound that I hear in my head,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because that's really what violinists are doing is the, the violin is an extension of your voice. It's an mm-hmm. extension of what you hear in your head that mm-hmm. if you were a vocalist, you would just sing. Right. You know, to me, the voice is one of the most beautiful instruments ever created because mm-hmm. it's you don't need anything. Mm-hmm. It's just there. You don't need an instrument. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't need anybody to make that for you, but you have to work really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. to get what you hear mm-hmm. up here to, to get that
0: sound mm-hmm.
1: and so that's what violinists are looking for they're looking for an instrument from from the time that they pick it up that they're just like they're taking aback, back and it's like oh my god this is mm-hmm. this feels good right. this sounds good and even the smell like it mm-hmm. smells the violin has a sweet mm-hmm. smell mm-hmm. um it has to it has to engage all of your senses mm-hmm. right. you know and for it to be
0: and and as we said it becomes an extension of them
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, I have a stupid question. You probably get asked this, but I'm going to ask this stupid question anyway. Are there right-hand and left-hand violins? I mean, we see, you know, people put it on their left shoulder and then you bow with the right. Do they ever play the other way around?
1: Very rarely. Um So if you are
0: left-handed, you're just learning differently how to to play.
1: Yes. Um many like left-handed writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like writing in, in, because both hands are so important with the violin. Mm-hmm. So, your left hand is the one that fingers the notes right. on the string, the mm-hmm. one that you would use. The right hand controls the bow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, both are equally as important. Right. Um, so, a left handed player has a natural advantage for left hand dexterity.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. They're going to be able to understand and grasp and probably learn the left hand technique much right. faster. So, they might be able Maybe.
0: to finger faster. I mean, all sorts of things.
1: Right. They mm-hmm. may struggle a little bit with the right hand mm-hmm. initially, but it becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. Most violinists are pretty ambidextrous when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, in the 20 plus years that I've been dealing with violins, I have seen maybe two or three people have custom made left-handed violins. And that was because they had previous experience playing a guitar or another, another oh, okay. string instrument and they were used to holding it the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really little place in orchestra for a musician to be bowing the opposite uh, Yeah.
0: Cause you're going to whoop the person next <laughs> to you. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, unless you're fourth chair, you know, you're, you know, or, or
0: however many chairs they have. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you don't fit. <laughs> you know, right. I love that. I love that. Well, yeah, let's, let's go to the, the business side of things because you did start your own business and this yeah. is clearly a very unique business. What were the challenges that you found in, in running a bi- starting and, and running the, the business?
1: Uh, the challenges I found and still find. Um, you know, uh, part of one's education, becoming a luthier, doesn't really um, involve any sort of business acumen. Right. Um, you're an artist. And mm-hmm. um, I like to refer to Michael Gerber's book. It's a fantastic book called The E Myth, um, where we all. All people that start a business generally have an, an entrepreneurial seizure
2: mm-hmm.
1: where you think, you know, what, why, why I, I could do this, I could mm-hmm. do this on my own, I could do this for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason we started the or I started the business, and I, I did have to start it with a business partner, um, was that the traditional model of a violin maker is you build a violin, you offer it for sale, mm-hmm. and when you sell it, it's great. But when right. you don't, but times get hard, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh you're an artist, and so. Maybe you're asking five thousand, or ten thousand, or fifteen thousand, you know, for your instrument. Right. Now you you sell, sell, and that's
0: great. But then, wonk <laughs> six, months,
1: six months and no mono no income, it gets mm-hmm. tough. You know? mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what? I could build things and wait for people to come,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and try and hope that my name grows. Maybe enter mm-hmm. a competition, okay. or I could start a shop and grow clientele. Mm-hmm. You know, provide kids with instruments that, that they can become actual mm-hmm. musicians with, right. you know. So these aren't the
0: on. $10,000 ones. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely not. You know, let's start something to where elementary school students turn into middle school, turn mm-hmm. into high school, then go to right. college, then mm-hmm. get jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in 2013, I believe it was, we opened the doors here in Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, 700 square foot retail space and ah! workshop. So mm-hmm. it was tiny. Um And I made a couple of phone calls to colleagues and friends of mine that I, that I had known Mm -hmm. that I was going to do that in the area. And they were extremely supportive. And Mm -hmm. from day one, Deb, we have, we've done well. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've grown consistently each year. Um, We've hired incredible staff. Our turnover is virtually non-existent. Mm -hmm. Um, We expanded and opened a second location just south of us in Sarasota. Ah and continue to offer service rentals mm-hmm. you know especially focused on uh school programs and kids mm-hmm. we drive to the schools pick up their instruments bring it back fix them re-deliver mm-hmm. them um before covid we used to have violin workshop tours where uh, mm. as you can see behind me here the workshop i know cool. it's back mm-hmm. off, but mm-hmm. we would bring groups of school kids in and show mm-hmm. them how violins are made from start to finish and you know discuss how to take care of the instruments and give them a brief demonstration mm-hmm. on how some of the tools go through the wood and they get to mm-hmm. go home with bags of shavings. Um
2: fun. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but the business is it's a it's a constant challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, business is different. It's not uh it's not the art. Right. You know, and, and so, having to
0: stop and spend time on oh invoicing and networking. <laughs> you
1: know, but it's it's a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, understanding mm-hmm. how business works, mm-hmm. um, understanding what a balance sheet is, you know, mm-hmm. what an income statement is, mm-hmm. what what a statement is, um, how to structure things so that taxes aren't so bad at the end of the year, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and realizing that if you can get the business successful enough Mm -hmm. then you can start building a legacy,
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know, you can start leaving a major impact on the community and because of the things that you're doing and Mm -hmm. you have the strength to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of my focus, you know, the last couple of years, even before COVID was, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, we have to be profitable and successful enough that we can we can do these great things that we want to do Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah it's a continual education as far as business is concerned Mm -hmm. there's always Mm -hmm. something to learn uh, marketing um communication Mm -hmm. you know uh client services customer Mm -hmm. service um i i think that i've spent more time the last couple of years on learning business than i have learning violin Mm -hmm. making right
0: You know, and 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 it is always a challenge, you know, and and but I'm sure COVID obviously made things different. Um, you know, are you able to meet with someone, uh, you know, virtually, at least initially on, you know, on on starting the process when they want a custom
1: violin? Absolutely. Okay. Um, I just got a call, matter of fact, yesterday from a, a friend of mine that's um a very good violinist in in Belfast. Mm. Um, he had Two colleagues that are in the UK, mm-hmm. and they're they're very interested in a violin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he asked me what the process was. I said, mm-hmm. "Well, we're going to meet by Zoom. We'll mm-hmm. discuss what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's a husband and wife.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they've looked around the UK and looked around Europe for pricing, and they just they just it's just too much for them. What, mm-hmm. The market there, what they're mm-hmm. asking, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so, yeah, I'll have the first meeting with them probably over Zoom mm-hmm. or a phone call. We'll discuss mm-hmm. things." And then I'll, I'll build the instruments mm-hmm. and then they can either come over and try them or mm-hmm. I can ship them or deliver them to mm-hmm. them. You know,
0: Right. Cause at some point they need to put their hands on it, Absolutely. even though they're not completed,
1: but. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, I would never buy a new vehicle without test driving it. Right. You know, I don't, I, don't, I, know, I don't
0: understand these people who buy cars on the internet. I'm like, no, you got to kick the tires.
1: It's <laughs> shoes on, you know, like, mm-hmm. no, I got to see how they feel. Mm-hmm. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to know that they're right. You know, so yeah, that, that process can be started. And then maybe even a couple of calls along the way, Mm -hmm. you know, when you run into an issue or you say, well, you know, I'm not sure how they felt about this. Let's Mm -hmm. see. Um, when it comes to varnish, everyone has a different idea. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing how psychologically, um, impactful the way that an instrument looks Mm -hmm. affects its sound. Right. You know, my, my form, my professor would call it psychoacoustics. Mm Um, if you have a violin that's very pale in color,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, sort of a blonde or a right. yellow. It doesn't position. seem
0: like it's going to produce as rich a sound.
1: It, absolutely. You know, whereas a dark red or, a, mm-hmm. you know, almost a, a more high gloss, color, mm-hmm. it, it has a shiny sound. Mm-hmm. No, it's a shiny varnish, mm-hmm. you know? So knowing what sound they want and what color really attracts them, mm-hmm. you know, it has to fit. Everything has mm-hmm. to fit when, when you finally deliver the instrument, like mm-hmm. it, it almost it needs to be like they've looked at it and they know they've seen that perfect thing before mm-hmm. in their dream you have mm-hmm. you have to create that you know right. so those calls are enough you know mm-hmm. they don't really need to see i'll send a video clip or mm-hmm. two of the building process they always mm-hmm. love to see it would be right car, yeah
0: you know they want to know that how's, how's the baby coming along
1: right <laughs> right um so yeah the collaboration is totally fine especially when it's transcontinental you mm-hmm. know it makes mm-hmm. travel sometimes very difficult hmm so yeah, Zoom, telephone call, mm-hmm. it's all perfectly fine.
0: Right. I love it. Yeah, you know, I, I should have asked you this before we started. Could you play for us? Do you have an instrument close enough that you could play a bit
1: for us? I've or got is it one? I'm not a player. I mean, oh, I can play, okay. I can play enough to evaluate my instruments, Okay. I, I interesting. I have, it is very interesting. And it's mm-hmm. like I've come up with lots of analogies over the years to describe it. Um, you don't have to be a criminal to be a lawyer. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to be sick to be a doctor mm-hmm. um the people that fly the space shuttle are not the ones that build it
0: right true mm-hmm.
1: so i've dedicated my life to studying the history
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and the construction of violins. okay not the performance
0: i love that the, that's the very hours, interesting mm-hmm.
1: the hours that i've spent at the workbench the musician would spend at the stand
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and i fear that if I played my violin for you, I'm not going to do it justice.
0: Right. And, and we wouldn't, you know, we, we wouldn't want that because it, it is a, like we were, we've been saying, it is a piece of art. And so you, you want it to be as, as best perceived as possible. Absolutely. Now, do can ha-
1: provide anybody interested with clips of, of professionals playing. I found
0: ancestors. one on Facebook and, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and, and it, it really is, one of those things where in the right instrument in the right hands is very different. Um, you know, like you said, you know, you can play it, you can test it, but when the right person picks it up, it sounds totally different. Um, you know, and, and, I think probably the easiest thing for many people who, you know, might not know is, is like the piano. I mean, you know, somebody can sit down and play chopsticks, but it takes somebody different, to play Chopin, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it, there really is just a very big difference in, in, and it's not just the skill set, because, you know, there's, there's that, but it's that passion. It's that heart, all of those other things that go into it.
1: And pianos are much the same way, Deb. I mm-hmm. mean, a Bosendorfer has a completely different right. sound way, um, mm-hmm. both very noble sounds, both mm-hmm. highly respected,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: mm-hmm. fundamentally a different character of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you find with violins, you know. Um Yeah, I recently had a comment from somebody that has one of my instruments in Texas that um it was played on stage with 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 a very, very expensive old Italian violin. And at mm-hmm. some point there was a battle. Ah. And it was very interesting to hear mm-hmm. the results, you know, because mm-hmm. one was a, a highly affordable instrument and one mm-hmm. was exorbitantly expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always the expensive instruments that win. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. And again, it's who's playing it. All of those various right. things. Right. OK, so I have another stupid question because I'm here in the South. Violin, fiddle. <laughs> what is the difference? And is there really a difference?
1: The, the instruments are exactly the same. It's how you play it. Okay. It's what you play on it and how mm-hmm. you play it. Um, there's a lots of little funny sayings. One has strings, one has strangs.
0: Uh, (laughs) especially if you're in the south it has strings
1: (laughs) right it's really there's a slight difference in the curvature of the bridge Mm -hmm. because on a fiddle they want to play a lot of double stops and sometimes triple stop so the Mm -hmm. bridge Mm -hmm. is flatter that Mm -hmm. doesn't allow the articulation of the Mm -hmm. bow as much freedom um but that's they're they're exactly the same instruments now the violin came over from europe Mm it's a european instrument came Mm -hmm. to america and in early early america it, it the music we wrote our own music and it was fiddle mm-hmm. tunes, you know, mm-hmm. so it was derived from Hungarian uh, dances and English mm-hmm. dances right. and stuff like that. But that's where fiddle music came from. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark O'Connor is an amazing violinist and he really delved into early American fiddle music. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody interested in learning the difference, uh, just look him up. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, you'll learn a lot
0: interesting i love that yeah because it, it, they obviously look the same um but i've always wondered you know what is the the difference and and i mean part of it i'm i you know would be obviously how it's made um a lot of times with a fiddle they seem to be this is i'm i know i'm not saying this the correct way but playing it harder um, you know, and and uh I I'm just thinking of, you know, uh, the devil went down to Georgia when they're playing that. I mean, you know, that's that is hard-moving music as opposed to the virtuing, you know, soaring sounds of an orchestra. Um, but but yeah, to to know that they're the same instrument, that's I that's very interesting.
1: Absolutely the same.
0: Very cool, very cool. So, you know, how you know do you uh, we talked a little bit, you know, about some of the business things. How do you market what you do? Um you know, when I talk with people, I always tell them, you absolutely have to know who your niche is. and and I always cringe when I when I you know when somebody says, everyone. Because clearly you know it's it's not and, and so you you obviously know who your market is. So how do you reach them and, and um, you know what are what are some of the, the things that you use? because I, to me that's fascinating because you do know exactly who you need to reach. And so you know what are some of the tactics that you use?
1: Well, you know our organic growth happens so naturally that up until 2019, I didn't even consider that. I didn't okay. even consider. Mm-hmm.
0: Word know, of mouth three. was all you needed. Mm-hmm. That's
1: all we needed. But that reaches you to a certain point until mm-hmm. you sort of saturate your geographical mm-hmm. market. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have to focus on who is your ideal client, right. you know, and that's that we've done in the last year or so. Uh, we've mm-hmm. gone through brand building workshops mm-hmm. um, and sort of really honed in on who our ideal mm-hmm. client is so much as to even we've, we've created an avatar, gave, mm. gave them a name. I love a it. A sociographic, you know, mm-hmm. a, an economic, Mm-hmm. parameter. And now we're in the process of really trying to develop that marketing structure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I think it's an evolving process. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think, you know, it may work this year, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to tweak it for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so every post that we make now, we try to look back upon our, you know, at our, at our ideal client. Mm-hmm. And say, will it resonate with them? Mm-hmm. Is this what they're after? Mm-hmm. And truthfully, the, the, the ideal client for my shop is slightly different than the ideal client for me to build an instrument for. Right. Right. For yeah.
0: They're, and, and yeah, because you are looking for the, probably the concert violinist almost. Um, um,
1: maybe not even concert, but just somebody that really understands that connection with the instrument mm-hmm. it, that they have to have that connection, right. whether or not they're. Um, their concert person. may be
0: in their living room.
1: Absolutely. And some of my best clients some of the best customers we've ever had here mm-hmm. in the shop. That's their focus, you know, that music is what binds their family together. So Mm -hmm. them and their children play, and it may only be for Thanksgiving and Christmas Mm -hmm. or Easter, Mm -hmm. you know, but they all look forward to it and they talk about it the whole time leading up to that point. What have you, what have you practiced? What, Mm -hmm. what, what quartet are we going to play this Mm -hmm. year? Mm -hmm. Um, so when you're making these posts and you're making any sort of social engagements, Mm -hmm. um, email blasts or any of that stuff, keep that in mind, you know, mm-hmm. keep in mind who are you, who are you really after? Cause like you said, everyone that's not, I mean, right. Violinists are niche.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a very niche thing. Mm-hmm. I mean half 1% of the population mm-hmm. plays the violin. I can't say everyone, everyone right. needs, you know, everyone needs a, a table to eat on, mm-hmm. but not everyone needs a violin, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So build an avatar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: understand who is your uh-huh. ideal client and talk to them.
0: Yeah. I, I love that because, you know, especially when someone is starting out in business, they don't want to leave money on the table. So they really do think I have to market to everyone. And, and I tell them, no, you know, you, you know, say, you know, uh, you know, uh, and uh, advertising on TV to, you know, where it's going to be, you know, millions of people, you know, if you, if you had that budget, that is such a waste when you should be you know maybe advertising in a trade publication or or something like that where you're hitting that specific thing and and so you're going from millions to maybe a 100 but if those are the right 100 or maybe even 10 that's what what you need to do and 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 you know and and that's it is very hard for business people especially starting out to to grasp that concept
1: it is still hard for me every mm-hmm. day you know and it's not just reaching that audience is what do you do after you reach them you mm-hmm. know, did you give them a call to action? Did you give right. them something to do and mm-hmm. if you engage with them enough that's going to make them actually take mm-hmm. a step towards right. contacting you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and how do you know? How do mm-hmm. you know out of the 50 that you reached, how many mm-hmm. reached out? And then how many did you convert? Mm-hmm. How many, you know, there's a lot of business stuff that I'm still learning. Right. Um,
0: well, and as you said, that takes you, though, away from your craft. And so that's the hard part.
1: Well, and that's, again, in the intro, you mentioned trying to step out of mm-hmm. the business or. So spend more time working on the business of in the business. Mm-hmm. I can fix violins all day long, but that's not going to help grow the business. Right. It's not going to find better, mm-hmm. you know, a better market. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just educate yourself on, on business. Mm-hmm. I mean, take, take time, read books, mm-hmm. go to, go to seminars, uh, attend conferences. Listen to
0: podcasts.
1: Listen to podcasts. <laughs> you got it.
0: I love it. Well, oh my gosh, this has been so much fun and, and I have learned so much. I mean, I, this to me is just fascinating but if someone wants to reach you, um, you know, because you never know who who in our, our our audience might be someone who is in that that less than 1%, how sure. do they find you and what are the services that you provide?
1: Um, the, probably the best way, the all-encompassing way is to reach out to Violin Shop Tampa. Okay. Um, Google our name, you know, mm-hmm. just Violin Shop in Tampa will pop right up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can service anybody from beginners to professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to speak directly to me, just ask to speak to me. Uh, if mm-hmm. I can't get to you right away, I'll certainly return the, return the call. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the easiest way.
0: Great. I love it. You know, and we've got just a couple minutes left. So uh, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave us with?
1: Yeah, I would, you know, I mean, on the topic of music and, and violins is, um, you know, imagine world without music Mm -hmm. you know um, each generation that we have is responsible for continuing what the previous generations have done Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and if we don't continue to nurture and educate um, and improve what we already have you know, what's it going to be? I mean, a lot of my memories are linked to songs, so are linked to pieces of music. And I hear a piece of music and it takes me back 25 years, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's like that. So if you want music in the world, you got to keep playing.
0: I love it. You know, and even if it's just on your car radio and you're singing along, you know, if it brings you joy. That's what you need to do, um, you okay. know. And and so I love that. Well, I have been having you know just an absolutely best conversation with Derek Coons. I'm Deb Creer, and until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C Suite Network.